now live. All right. <laughs> if I had the if I had the time, I'd I'd clip this and I'd have an intro and an outro. Wouldn't that be awesome to have all that? But we don't have it. So anyhow, we're glad glad you guys are back. Um, we'll be uh, um, we're finally going to get I think to the end of chapter two, <laughs> which is good, I guess. And uh, in order to uh, to save Denny from having to read chapter 2, verse 1, we will move on this week. <laughs> and we'll, we'll pick it up in, with uh, uh, verse 17 is when we get started here. Verse 17, and we'll run through the end of the chapter, which is like verse 30, I think. We're in chapter 2 of Philippians. Chapter 2 of Philippians and starting in verse 17. So... Uh, let's, uh, well, let's see, first, in, in all fairness, two, two weeks, two weeks ago, we had, uh, thank you, I appreciate you, you busting my chops, that's good. So, two weeks ago, if you'll remember, we had a snow day, and last week, uh, Colin came in and shared with us about, uh, Anthem Church, and, um, uh, things are, uh, God's really been been good to them. They've taken them through some deep waters, but uh, um, you, do you remember what we talked about? We talked about this in the end of chapter, two, the, well, the last part of chapter two that we've dealt with so far, and we talked about the fact that God uses three tools to help us learn and help us to understand and grow closer to him. Do you remember what those three tools were? Something we shared with uh, I shared with Colin too because well, I'm sure he knew about it too because it's not like it's new. The first one is the Word of God. The Word of God it helps us grow, right? It helps us. It's one of the ways we grow closer to the Lord, uh, closer to God the Father, is by spending time in the Word. The more that we know about Him, the more we get to know Him. So that's number one. Number two is the, uh, pray, pray. Pray comes, you know, a prayer life. Sometimes, as we study the Word of God, hopefully we're we're in uh, we're challenged to pray and thank God for all the things that He's done for us. Uh, I don't know if any of you took a look at the last last week's uh, uh, Thursday uh, sheet that I sent you, but it was a way of assessing how thankful you are, and um, uh, it was kind of interesting that I think our study on Sunday morning was uh, closely related with gratitude. Uh, so that was uh, an interesting plan. But anyhow, so prayer drives, you know, the Word of God should drive us to prayer. And then the one, the third tool that we use is the one that I absolutely hate. And if I could choose one that I could say, Lord, could we pass on this one? This would be the one that I would personally not choose to learn to grow, and that's suffering. Nobody likes to suffer, but suffering is one of the ways that we learn to grow closer to the Lord. And I know from personal experience, anecdotally, that the more that I suffer for the Lord, the more I'm driven into the scriptures, the more I pray, the deeper my fellowship with God, and the result is that I grow deeper into his uh, and become more like Christ as a result of that. Now, that's not something I particularly care for. I usually do it kicking and screaming. I know some of you are much better at it than I am when it comes to suffering. Some of you guys have, your lives, I'm just like, man, I can't believe the lives that God gives you. And I'm sure that some of you look at some of us and say the same thing. But um, so thank you, Lord, for 
teaching us. I wish one of them wasn't as painful as it is, but that is something that God does for us. So again, we'll be starting in Philippians chapter 2. We're going to give Denny a break, and we'll start with verse 17, not verse 1 of chapter 2, because we're going to hopefully get through the rest of this chapter today. I doubt it, but we'll try. <laughs> All right, so let's start with a word of prayer. Father, thank you again for the opportunity to dive into your word, and thank you for the way that your word encourages us and challenges us. And today, Father, we thank you for the opportunity to, to spend time studying your word. May you open our eyes to new insights and new applications. May the Spirit move in our hearts and lives today so that we uh, can listen to the still, small voice and that we will be uh, not only listeners but doers of your word as well. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's pick it up with uh, Philippians chapter 2 and starting verse 17. We'll go to Denny's table, Dan's table, Gary's table. Uh, yeah, uh, Daryl's table and our table. I had to see. I couldn't see who Daryl was. Daryl's head was closed. It was all right. So all right. Let's let's take a look at this, shall we? longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, uh, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. So um, <clears throat> it's interesting that in, in the midst of uh, what is a pretty important passage of Scripture, it would appear that this particular passage is kind of dropped in. And it's dropped in as almost like it's a, uh, a travelogue. Here's, here's, the, here's the plan for the next you know, little bit. We're going to be sending so-and-so. In fact, Karl Barth, who is a, a, a well-known uh, 20th century theologian, uh, said that this particular passage had no direct teaching in it. And uh, it's kind of interesting you think about that, but uh, I was thinking about the fact that uh, we look at uh, Timothy, we look at Epaphroditus, and 
I, I'm reminded of, of a, several stories that I read recently in various newspapers. There was a reporter in San Bernardino, California, that arranged for a man to lie in a gutter on a busy street. He said hundreds of people passed by the man, but no one stopped to help him or even show sympathy to him. A newspaper across the country a few years ago uh, told how 38 people watched a man stalk a young lady and finally attack her, and none of the spectators even picked up a phone to call the police. Uh, a couple of teenagers in Detroit discovered a woman, this goes back a few years, uh, on a at a telephone booth who had suffered a heart attack. They carried her to a nearby house and rang the bell, asked for help, only the reply they received is, get off my porch and take her with you. A uh, Kentucky doctor was driven down a highway to visit a patient. When he saw an accident take place, he stopped and gave aid to the injured man, then made his visit. One of the drivers he helped sued him. So my question for you today is, is it possible for us to be a good Samaritan today and not, not suffer for being a good Samaritan? Is that a possibility? I think sometimes it is, but sometimes it seems like service and sacrifice are ancient virtues that somehow don't necessarily apply today. I mean, Rick, Rick, a number of years ago, gave us all a book. It was, uh, like, was it called The Ten Second Rule? Ten Second Rule. <laughs> you, know, make a you, know, you have ten seconds to make a, a, a decision. Am I going to stop and help somebody? Or I'm going to step into this situation. You know, I cannot tell you the number of times that I, I try to figure out. I, when I was pastoring, I'd be driving to church sometimes. And you'd see somebody on the side of the road, and you go, you know, I should really stop and help them. I really can't because I've got to get to church, and I've got to preach, and, you know, I don't have time to. I'm thinking, sometimes I wonder what would happen if I had stopped, if I had shown compassion. If maybe that was God giving me an opportunity to, to step into somebody's life that maybe needed help, not only physically, but maybe spiritually. And I have to admit that there were a lot of times I just blew on by them, didn't bother to stop. Sometimes it's impo it, it seems like it's impossible to follow the examples. If I was going to put up the, the guy, the people that we're supposed to follow examples of, um, you know, the first one would probably be Jesus, right? That's, pretty, that's a pretty tough one to follow. I'm pretty sure most of us have a hard time coming up to that standard. So, you know, the next one would be Paul, right? That's a, that's a pretty, pretty high bar to, to go as well, isn't it? So, it, so it, it's as though in this particular passage, I have, to, I have to bring my Bible because I can't figure out. I couldn't spell Epaphroditus if it was my, if my life depended on it. So there's Timothy, right? And then there's Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus and Tim. So we give two more that God says, hey, you know what? Take a look at these two. These two uh, are just your average guy, uh, as far as we know. I mean, Timothy was a young guy in the Lord who came to know Christ as a result of his mother and his grandmother and, and Paul's work in, uh, <clears throat> in the area of, of Galatia, I believe, if memory serves me correctly. And uh, so we've got two, quote-unquote, ordinary saints, if you will, and we get a chance to, to look at them. But we look at these two, and they are further examples of what it's like to have the mind of Christ. Um, 
it, it's kind of exciting to see that, I think, because, man, without that, it would be, you know, if I had to, if, if I just had to look at, at Christ, I would always fail. If I had to look at Paul, I would say, you know, I'm not even close uh, with some of the, you know, God hasn't chosen me to write, you know, half the, the New Testament. Um, it'd been nice if he had, but maybe not. Maybe if I had to go through the things Paul went through, I would, I would pass on that opportunity. I don't know. But uh, I look at Timothy, and there's some things about Timothy that come to mind. There's like three things that, the first thing I, I see when I think of him is the fact that he has a servant's mind. It, it says in verses 19, I hope uh, in, uh, in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you and that he, I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who takes genuine interest in your welfare. Wow, think about that. That's somebody who is important. And Timothy is with Paul in Rome. Now, in Rome, there are probably hundreds of Christians in fact, in the in the the book of Romans, Paul mentions twenty six of them by name. But when you think about the fact that he says, "I have no one like Timothy," he's not being ministered to by it would appear, or very little ministry is going on with most of the rest of the church. He's in prison now. He's probably in prison at this point. We we don't know, but we think that he's just in prison in a house with guards chained to him on both sides, but still he's in prison with guards chained to him on both sides. And he's not like he can go around and, and do whatever he wants. He's dragging guards with him everywhere he goes. If he's allowed to even go outside of the house. <clears throat> and Timothy's the only one that is there of the Roman believers that's spending time with him. How often do we spend the kind of time that we need with those that are in need? And, and sometimes, <clears throat> you ever notice that sometimes when you open your, your way to, to doing things, you end up doing things with people that if you had your choice, you probably wouldn't? You know, they're the, the, the oddballs, the oddities, the ones that seem to be, you know, it's, I'm always amazed. It seems like God always seems to bring around me, and I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not thinking of anybody in this group, but... Um, uh, you know, the oddballs, you know, it seems like the collection of people that sometimes you end up having around you are kind of unique. And I think God does that on purpose because those people have something to offer that maybe we don't appreciate. I'm just off, off track here but a little bit, but I think it's interesting that, that Timothy has that servant mind. And the result is that he is, he is able to do things for Paul that no one else is doing. I, I think he Paul gives him incredible recommendations. You know, I have no one like Timothy. Can you imagine getting the on your resume? You know, you, you get a, a letter of recommendation, and and Paul says to the church, "Hey, by the way, you know, look at Timothy. He is, per yeah." Well, like when you look at twenty and twenty-one, he, he calls out Timothy for you know his interest in the welfare of others. He looks out yeah. for others. Yeah. Exactly what Tim, yeah, exactly what he's pra praising Timothy for. That's that's awesome, isn't it? And think about it, that's what 
you know, it's it kind of, one of the things that tends to happen is having a service mind. I, I can tell you that when I was, when I was full-time in the ministry that, you know, it, the requirement is obviously you have to have a message every week, right? So, you know, and, and I'm primarily the one that was speaking, although I did have a staff person that I, I had speak usually once a month. But the, my goal was <clears throat> to have my message done long before the week started so that during the week I had time to prepare for two weeks from now. And, and actually I, I would have a schedule of like three to six months out and I would I had this plan of you know I do a little bit each week so that you'd kind of get towards getting it all done but I tried to have everything wrapped up one week before I had to speak why because if in the middle of the week somebody came to me and said pastor I need to talk to you can I come in yeah yeah sure come on in you know we'll set up a time or if I needed to go make a visit because somebody went into the hospital or somebody had uh, suffered some sort of catastrophe, I could be on call and didn't have to worry about the message. The message was done. I wouldn't be burning the midnight oil at, you know, Saturday morning like I did when I was in Syracuse one uh, year. I told you I told you the story, a pastor in Syracuse, I'm there preaching and I'm speaking at several churches, and two churches in particular, and I only came with two messages prepared because I figured, yeah, I'm, I'm going to all these different churches and it doesn't really matter. As long as I got two, I'm pretty good because I, I, at most I'm speaking Sunday morning, Sunday night if I'm speaking at the same church. Well, this, the two churches I was speaking at in the Syracuse area in Sicily uh, were daughter, one was a mother church and one was the daughter church. And I was told that many of the people would be from the daughter church would be at, attending the, the mother church and vice versa. And so while I was gonna be speaking at each of these churches twice, could I speak four different messages? So Saturday morning, Saturday night, I'm in my room, uh, my prophet's chamber, saying, oh Lord, please give me something. You know, and, and I was, I thought I was done, I went to bed around midnight, and I thought it was good, about one o'clock I woke up and it was like God was just telling me, nope, nope, you've got the wrong message, dude. You need to go to something else. So I, I started again studying, and I think it was about 4 or 5 in the morning, I finally said, okay, I got it, we're good to go. And the Lord said, okay, I, I, I survived on like two hours of sleep that day. Um, and I preached uh, another, you know, uh, three or two or three messages that day, I guess, but, yeah, at least three. Uh, but it was like, wow, you know, it, but things happen. And you want to be prepared. So having a, the mind of a servant who's willing to step out and help people, a messenger is, is someone who is sent as a personal representative, to, and he's supposed to receive the same honor as the sender. In fact, the, the, their messenger, we get down to Eve, even down, down to Epaphroditus, same thing, a messenger is the same word that we get the word apostle from in the Greek. So it's someone who is sent to represent someone with a message. It is a sent one. And so Timothy is, is uh, Paul's messenger uh, sent as his personal representative. And as such, he's supposed to receive the same kind of honor or no honor, as the case may be, as the, as the person that is sending him. Think about this when that's what an ambassador does when he goes to another country. He represents who? the leader of his country. If it's a monarchy, he represents the king. And you treat him the same way that you would treat 
the, a visiting king, a visiting dignitary. So that's what a messenger is supposed to do. And then it says, uh, it, by the way, teachers and disciples often develop this intimate relationship as though they're like father and son almost. And so you see uh, uh, Paul almost refer to him as my son in the Lord. You know, he's that, he's that person that has that, he's poured into this man so much. He's that important. And then the next thing I see about him, not only does he have the mind of a servant, but he has the training of a servant. He, he spent time with Paul. He learned what he needed to do. He was the one that was, uh, uh, from the, the time he was uh, uh, saved, uh, Paul trained him. And he didn't, by the way, he didn't tap him on the so shoulder to do something immediately. He let him mature. Which it goes back to that whole idea when we talk about choosing leadership in the church. Don't choose someone who's too young. Not only talking about age-wise, but we're talking about mentally and spiritually. Um, <clears throat> Timothy, First Timothy, Paul is telling Timothy when he looks for a, a person. Here's what he says in First Timothy three six and seven. He must not be a recent convert, or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so he will not fall in disgrace into the devil's trap. So often that happens. And one of the things that tends to happen is when a new person comes to the Lord, especially someone who has, uh, has a standing in the world, we too often rush to put them out front to be the example. Oh, this is the guy. This is the, per this is the gal. This is the person we need to... You know, look at him. They've come to know the Lord. And often, especially if they've had an opportunity to be in the public eye, they want to get back in the public eye and share what God has done with them. And there's a, there's a sense to which that's good and a sense to which that's bad. Talking about Kanye West? Uh, no, you know, actually, the, I had prepared this long before Kanye West came out. But Kanye's, <laughs> I Kanye's an interesting fellow. I hope, I pray that God's gotten a hold of him. That would be awesome. With Joel? Joel? No, I didn't. Well, the one part that like, he gets up there and he's explaining about his conversion to Christ. And he says, you know, the fact that he's taking me, the most powerful and the most, <laughs> the best entertainer and singer that God has ever created. Yeah, I did hear that <laughs> quote. Oh my gosh, you stop right there. <laughs> it's just so. <laughs> You see what happens when we have a, when we have people who are young in the Lord. They're going to do they're going to do things that are inappropriate and are going to, to some degree, create more issues than 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 help. You know, and so it reaches one of. No, I think you. I think with. It's hard to do that sometimes, isn't it? To get past that. Yeah, and that's that's one of the yeah. Well, you 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 see sometimes you see a young a person come to the Lord who has popularity, and immediately they're thrust into the opportunity to sh and and I think it's good that they share their testimony. I don't think there's a problem with that. I think what happens is that you as Christians we have to they create a certain amount of excitement. It, regardless, a new believer in general, whether they're popular or the big name or not, 
they create excitement in the church, and I think that's really important. Sometimes those of us who have been uh, believers for a long time, we lose our first love, we lose that, that excitement, that zeal. And so I think it's important that we have that infusion of new blood that, that gets us pumping. But there is a possibility of giving someone a platform too soon and allowing them to, uh, and that's one of the joys of giving a mic to somebody. You, you have a hard time controlling it once they have the mic, right? Uh, I, uh, Oh, really? Ah. Okay, that I was not aware of. But when, he, when he, I heard this, then I started thinking, well, you know, because what he also talked about was the fact that he's got this new album out to Christian music. And so, so it just started, the skeptic in me started thinking, well, wait a second, now I'll say oh, that. Call that. He's got album coming out at the same time. He's trying to sell You, you try to, you try to, and sometimes, sometimes, frankly, sometimes the monologue is. We were in the car the whole time, driving you know, it was a shame that there was the only channel that you could get on your t on your radio well, the entire time. I didn't hear what he had to say. <laughs> so, and, then, and then you ask the question, well, does he have that great gift that you have? The gift of sarcasm? Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that what he what he said, the way he said it, because I've seen him, I've heard him talk at times, he, he has a very high opinion of himself. Um, and part of that, you know, remember, when God changes your heart, uh, you still have a lot of the old tendencies inside you. Mm -hmm. So we, uh, we need to give grace where grace is necessary and allow for opportunity for growth. Um, but it does, it does beg the point about the fact that often if you're not careful in giving someone a platform before they're ready, it can create more problems than it, it actually helps. And that's, uh, I was going to refer to another situation that in my notes uh, talked about a, a young man who came to the Lord, you know, the, the opportunity, the pastor gave him a chance for a testimony. He was well known in the community, started uh, uh, winning people, uh, and God opened the doors for him to have service, but it was before he was really ready, and the, this pastor kind of pushed him into it, and the result was that he set up this huge organization, started out on his own, you know, kind of believed his own marketing, and uh, uh, his success lasted for a short period of time, and then that ministry crashed and burned. And the result was that, you know, he lost his testimony because he wasn't strong enough to carry the burdens of ministry. And it takes a while to grow into that, which is one of the things that Paul did with Timothy is he didn't start him off too soon. He spent time with him, and he spent a long time with him, uh, preparing him to go out on his own. So we don't know. We don't know what God's going to do with Kanye. You know, we need to uh, allow God the opportunity to spend time working with Kanye, just like God has been spending a lot of time working with us. You know, sometimes it takes. Um, Rick Warren talks about uh, people that are EGR. 
uh, an EGR person, extra grace required. Uh, and some, sometimes some of us need to be willing to extend EGR uh, to, to folks that are they're young in the Lord. And, give, and, and hopefully, hopefully he'll have enough sense to, sit around, to, to gather people around him they're not going to just simply be yes men, but will help him grow in the Lord. I'm, I'm trusting that he, that he believed in, in Christ. I don't know. Yes. You know, um, most of us kind of go through this God boot camp. Mm -hmm. And uh, we might start off differently, but um, he's experienced and the Lord leads us through these lessons that we learn. Many times it leads to a great deal of humility. Yeah, I can't imagine. Can you imagine? When you first start off, you're not like that. Yeah, you're not. Yeah, yeah. And you, you still, you still do a lot of your old stuff. Yeah. And you realize after a while that that's not what the Lord wants you to do, and then you make a change. You know? I recently, I recently threw out some tapes I had of some uh, of the original messages that I that I preached years ago. I was kind of unimpressed. <laughs> with the, the quality of, of my teaching and preaching. And, and I'm not sure that I'm much better now, but thank you, Keith, for keeping, <laughs> Keith, Keith and Tom over there are keeping me humble today. <laughs> so that's good, because so, we all know that's one of my, my problems. <laughs> so, so basically, I think we have to leave, keep that open mind, like you were saying originally. Yeah. Keep going because eventually the Lord will shape them like clay into the person that they want them to be. Yeah, one of the funny thing, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, he threw the most unusual people. Well, as, if I remember correctly, he did speak through a donkey one time. It's <laughs> <laughs> just saying. right or if he's you know whatever his issue or her deal or whatever it is it's it it comes back to the word of god yeah. and if it's backed up in the word then, then that spirit speaking to me he may we're just vessels being used yeah 